Looking for local government news? Look no further than ICMA's e-newsletters. Thousands of local government professionals stay connected by subscribing to ICMA's newsletters. Sign up today to receive the latest news in your inbox on a daily or weekly basis at icma.org icma-e-newsletters. Welcome to United Front, a special season of ICMA's Local Gov Life. I'm your host, Erica White. This season, we're celebrating women. Women who have not only earned the respect and recognition of their peers by achieving the role of chief administrative officer, but also women who have been selected as their community's first female manager. Join us as we celebrate the triumphs and contributions of six women CAOs who are breaking down the barriers they faced in today's local government profession. My guest today is Chris Volkers, City Manager of Moorhead, Minnesota, and previously Court Executive Officer and Court Administrator in the judicial branches of both California and Minnesota. Chris, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Let's start by getting to know you a little better. What inspired you to go into local government and how did you get to where you are today? Right out of college, I took a job working for the courts and I really just fell in love with the work, the variety, the workload itself. It was crazy busy and still is today. So there's a lot to do in government and the service of it. I was so motivated by it. I just love the work of local government. So I just kept applying for jobs and promotions until I finally got my own court in 2000. And that was the start of the feeling I made it. I did it. I can do this. I can be the CEO or the court administrator or CAO or whatever you want to call it. And I just continued from there, got so much satisfaction from it. And then my husband and I decided to go to California because we were tired of the cold winters. The courts in California were so much bigger than the courts in Minnesota, and I did that for eight years. And then what I really missed was local government when the courts became state-funded around that time. And I missed being part of the community, and that was a huge transition for me, to go from being part of the community and local government to being a state employee and representing the state in the judicial branch. And that was where I really started to reflect on how much I missed the local government, which is why I came back to Minnesota and applied for a city manager position and focused on that and got a great opportunity here in Moorhead. How did your experience in the Superior Court help you transition to a role as city manager? It's not that different. It is about leadership. When you're the executive of the organization, you have to have the same skill sets as far as the ability to manage and to coach and mentor and to plan and to see the future and go after the future. That's all consistent, whether it's judicial branch or local government. So the transition was not hard. It was a huge different position. I had to learn the specifics, right, of cities and city management. And I'm so thankful that's the career I picked because it's as challenging and as exciting as I thought it would be. And I'm so fortunate to have this mid-career ability to just kind of switch to a different discipline. But the work is very similar, not the technical work, but the work of being a leader. What is it that you love about local government and what brought you back? It's a community. When I was in Minnesota, before I went out to California, even as a court administrator, as a county position, county department head, it was all about being with the community, 
being a state employee, you just didn't have that in California. And that's what I was reflecting on. Boy, what do I miss? It can't just be the cold weather in Minnesota, for crying out loud. <laughs> it had to be something, right? And it, that's what it was. It was working with the people in the community and being part of a community, which is why laser focused on city management when I decided to kind of make that change and come back to Minnesota. And I'm so glad I did because now I'm out there, I'm meeting the community, I'm, I'm part of the community, and I'm working on making the community better, however we can as a city. It's been said that Moorhead is the largest city in Minnesota that is led mostly by women. Isn't that cool? In Moorhead, a lot of the council is majority women. They've got a first woman city manager. I look at us and I look at how we're all so motivated to do what's best. We're so invested. It's not to say the men aren't either, but we work well together that way. It's not always the case where you put a lot of women in leadership positions together. This group we all have the same focus. We respect each other. We know we each bring our own talents to the table. We each bring our own perspective. We respect our roles. And so we communicate and we respect each other and it works. Does Moorhead have any programs to encourage female leadership? Moorhead has a lot of colleges. So we have a lot of young females coming into the workplace. And I think there is a deliberate effort individually to reach out to and coach and mentor the young people in our community. What are some of the major challenges for women coming up in the profession right now? When I was coming up in the profession, I knew I had the work ethic. I knew I was going to work hard. I knew I had to build the respect and trust, and I needed to prove myself. I think everybody does that to some extent, but I believe women and young women today need to really focus on what they want to accomplish and go for it. What strengths or advantages do women typically bring to local government? I think women are great at multitasking in general. <laughs> I do. And it allows us to do 50 things at once, but still stay focused on what we need to do. And I think that is part of the key to success, the fact that we can do that. And that is a skill in any kind of profession, but specifically in local government, because there's so much going on. You need to be able to adjust and you need to be able to do it all at once. What do you think is the most significant barrier to women achieving the top spot? Keeping the respect of women in government is really important. It was a huge thing for me in my court work in the judicial branch, which has always been historically a male-dominated field. People can earn respect, and they work hard, and they do what they're supposed to do, and they earn the respect, and that's, that's wonderful. For women, it's keeping that. That's a barrier that I think women need to always be aware of. And they always need to work hard to keep the respect of not only males, but females and keep the respect in the position that you have or you want. What are some things people can keep in their minds to make sure that they're always thinking about that as they go about their career? I think it's partly behaviors. It's how you react to things when you're in a situation and, and you're in meetings or you're in situations or groups or whatever it is to be aware of your behavior, how you're portraying, what you feel, what you believe in, trying to keep the emotions intact. It's not only a female thing, but it, it's sometimes more of a female thing that we need to project the image that we want and emulate the behaviors of other people we respect, male and females, but specifically females. If you can find somebody 
with that behavior, especially when you're young, that's a leader that has a respect, who has succeeded or is succeeding. And if you can watch them and emulate some of their processes or behaviors, you're a step ahead. How can young women find mentors and what's the best way to approach a potential mentor? They just need to reach out because so many of us have been there, done that. We want to help and we know we can help, not tell them what to do. But there's insights that people gave me, mentors, female mentors gave me that I would love and I do pass along. And I'm so grateful there are young women out there that ask because I asked. People helped us. We want to give back to the next generation. I've been fortunate in my career to have those mentors, and I have been really fortunate to have those young women ask me just for help or my opinion, and then it evolves into a relationship. I'm so proud of those relationships. One recently just got her law degree, and I was with her every step of the way just offering occasional advice, but she asked for it, and good for her. I think that's what young women don't do. My focus at this point in my career is moving on and leaving the motivation to the younger generation. And I want those young women to be the next success story for us. They are going to take over. And so my advice to every woman in the middle of their careers and thinking about the future to reach out to these young women and try to get them to be prepared and be ready and help them however you can help them to move up and to become our next generation of successful women. Someone did it for us. None of us got where we are without some help. Not one of us. And so I encourage everybody to identify those young leaders and help them and bring them into the fold and know that they're our future. Do for them what people have done for you. What mentors have inspired you throughout your career and what was their advice? I had some great mentors, both sexes. I think the females are the ones I went to and asked for advice more often with. I remember one woman who was a deputy court administrator said to me frequently, Chris, the best thing you can do when you're in meetings and situations, which seems to be what we do in local government, lots of meetings, is listen. Listen before you speak. You don't always need to be the smartest person in the room. But you can learn if you go around that table and you let everybody else speak before you speak, no matter what role you're in, guess what? You gained all their good ideas and all their knowledge and you can bring it together and maybe you have something more to offer as a result. Were there any times when you felt that being a woman made your career path harder? And if so, how did you push through and stay resilient? When I went out to California, I struggled a little bit with the fact that it was such a different environment with male judges. There's a lot of something like, I don't want to overuse that good old boy term, but there's some of that with long-term judges who are moving up or have been in leadership positions. They've got male groups and it's not so easy for a woman administrator to come in and earn that respect and earn the role that she needs to play within her responsibilities. I think how you overcome it and how I did was you buckle down, you do your job, you offer input when asked, and then you also start offering suggestions when not asked. And eventually, you've earned some credibility and respect. When you come up in those situations, my advice is don't force yourself. Don't push. It's not going to work. You have to be more patient and more intellectual about it. But you can break down those barriers. It might not be as quick as you think it should be. And you may not earn the respect you think you should have as quickly, but you can do it. 
Even when women are doing their best to succeed in the workplace, they often have an additional pressure placed on them, which is to achieve work-life balance, especially if they have kids. Do you believe that achieving work-life balance is a greater burden for women than men? And if so, how can women and men work together to overcome that? You know, I do. I hate to say it. I'd like to say it depends on the person, but I do think that is true. I think there is still the culture and I'm as guilty as anybody as a mom and a wife where I think I have to do everything, right? I mean, I think I have to bring the kids to the doctor. I think I have to monitor everything that's going on in school. I need to make sure they do their homework. And then also my career needs to succeed and I want it to succeed. I need to work a lot of hours. I expect so much more of myself. I do. And I don't, I don't know how to get past that because I'm as guilty as anybody. I've had my own personal experience recently with it in that I've always been the one I feel to have to balance everything and to do so much more because that's what women do, right? We're moms, we're wives. A lot of men wouldn't describe themselves as husbands. They just wouldn't use that description. And that is telling also, I think. But in my personal life, we decided as a family for me to take this job in Minnesota. And my family has decided to pause and not move up right away because my son's still in high school. So what has happened is my husband works from home. And now all of a sudden, this situation is completely reversed. And he's doing everything with our son while I'm up here doing my job. And so that's an interesting turn. And guess what? He can do everything. I always thought I had to be the one <laughs> to do everything, right? And I didn't think that he'd be able to, and he is. And it's great to see that. Guess what? It can be completely reversed. It's kind of fun. Maybe a lot of it is just getting past those societal expectations for what women's roles and men's roles really are. Erica, that's so true. And again, I'm as guilty as anybody believing that the female and the wife should be doing all this. It can go both ways, and they're quite capable of doing everything as well. Do you have any advice for women who are struggling with work-life balance in their own households? My advice is talk. Keep that communication open with your spouse and ask for help. Maybe the mother or the wife and the executive female does not need to be the only one to bring the kids to the doctor or to make the appointments or to meet at school. Maybe the open communication with the spouse could be could you do it this time in the next two months? Can you take care of all of this? And I'll do that. Split up the duties, communicate. My husband and I have went through all of that. And and that's been our savior is the communication and the explanation. I can't and I don't want to do all this. It's a partnership. So let's keep communicating and let's keep switching things around because both careers are important. And if you're lucky enough to have a spouse that supports you, all you have to do is communicate, in my opinion. It takes a whole family. It takes a village. One person can't do it. I've got one more question for you. Sure. To celebrate women, ICMA is using the hashtag SheLeadsGov to recognize the great women of the local government profession. Who would some of those be for you? There's so many. For me in my career, it's any woman that has the courage to go for what she wants. I actually can't give you specific names in that regard. I think women everywhere are amazing, and we should celebrate them. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to Chris for her time and insights. After you hear each of the stories in United Front this season, join the conversation on social media. Look for the hashtag and Twitter handle SheLeadsGov and use it to share stories about the groundbreaking women in local governments that you know. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our podcast channel and catch up on all seasons of Local Gov Life. 
at icma.org podcasts. Also, please share on social media and tell a friend about us. Thanks for listening to United Front, a special season of ICMA's Local Gov Life.